Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Liberty Driven. Uh, so glad you can join me. Uh, if, you, uh, if you're just uh, starting to listen, uh, welcome. Uh, welcome to the new listeners. Welcome to returning listeners. Uh, welcome everybody. Love to have you guys here. Love to see uh, uh, people uh, enjoying what I'm doing and getting some value out of it. That's, uh, that's the most important thing for me. Um, so, uh, I got I got an interesting uh, uh, video clip to go over with you guys today. Before I forget, we want to make sure that if you haven't already done so, you head over to YouTube and hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification, give this video a like. Gotta gotta game that uh, those algorithms and <laughs> get this uh, going as as much as we can. And of course, uh, if you have a chance to uh, go over to Facebook.com and uh, to like our page over there, uh, Liberty Driven Books, facebook.com forward slash Liberty Driven Books. Uh, also, uh, anchor.fm forward slash Liberty Driven is the, uh, the site you can go to for the audio on all of these if you're just going to listen to this. Um, so, uh, so yeah, uh, let's hit this intro and I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm excited. I'm really excited for today's uh, uh, episode. Um, hmm. uh, I, I, I know I say that a lot. I'm always excited about uh, about every episode. So I'm I'm excited to be here. Um, this is a video clip uh, that uh, was sent to me. Let me give you a little bit of background, and let me give you a little bit of background on why I'm I'm addressing this issue here. It's not so much about the content of the video as the process that we're going to be going through in analyzing this video. So one of the one of the key aspects of the liberty driven revolution is being able to use reason to analyze the ethical moral implications of policies and laws. And uh and we in doing that we need to be able to analyze when we have bad logic and when we have good logic. Now, now there may be good arguments on both sides. In fact, uh, you guys might remember, this is on the abortion issue. Uh, you guys might remember I mentioned uh, a little while ago that uh, after the uh, interview that I did with uh, the Smiths uh, about their podcast, I said I, I might be a, uh, a guest on theirs. I was uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I was a guest on their podcast, and uh, I'll put a link in the description to uh, to find that episode. But we talked about the issue of um, abortion. Uh, I came on to argue pro-life, and they were on arguing um, uh, pro-choice. So um, it was a it was a really interesting experience. I, I fleshed out a lot of ideas there. If you if you get a chance, go check it out. It's kind of long, about an hour and a half or so. Uh, that uh, they, they spliced. I talked to them for about two hours. They spliced down to about an hour and a half. Um, the, uh, then, then today, I was having a uh, conversation on, uh, on Facebook about, about abortion. Abortion came up. And um, I, I was uh, you know, making some arguments. And then somebody posted this video clip. And you know, my I kind of was dismissive about it. It's 
of comedian George Carlin. If you guys are familiar with who George Carlin is, um, it was a, it's a, it's a, it's a clip of, of his stand-up routine from 1996. And they posted this today, uh, as, and I said, well, I was, I was being dismissive. I, well, I just, you know, his, his arguments are illogical. And the person was very serious. Like, well, what, what, what do you mean? What do you mean illogical? Can you point to anything specific? Like, these are really good arguments. So I felt obliged to, uh, to go ahead and tell him exactly what is illogical about uh, Mr. Carlin's routine. So I understand this is supposed to be comedy and I'm not someone who hates comedy. In fact, I'm not even someone who particularly hates George Carlin. Uh, there are times when he's a funny guy. Um, I think he's a little bit overrated, but you know, there are times when he's a, a funny guy. My problem here is when George Carlin is put up as some kind of wise seer uh, for uh, humanity, um, it's just, it's problematic. He, he's a comedian. Uh, whether he's a good comedian or not is, is uh, up for personal taste. Uh, but uh, his arguments, when he makes arguments, should be analyzed critically uh, like anybody else's arguments would be. The fact that it's done in the guise of humor doesn't uh, alleviate us of the duty to critically analyze the arguments he's making. Because, as I said, this individual who I was discussing this topic with posted this video as an actual argument, as an actual debunking, so to speak, of the pro-life position. So we're going to jump into this, and I will warn you right off the top. Uh, I, I had, was beginning, I was writing the, the response. It was getting to be a quite lengthy comment on Facebook. It was quite wordy. If you follow me on Facebook, if you're one of my Facebook friends, you know that I can occasionally get very um, verbose in my Facebook comments and replies. Uh, this was one of those. This was a very verbose, and that's what made me decide you know, I should probably just do the uh, do the podcast episode on this on this topic. Um, it was very verbose. Uh, it was one of my lengthier uh, uh, comments. I only got three minutes into Mr. Carlin's routine, and it already produced that much uh, that much content. It's a ten minute uh, or eight minute eight minute clip, and. Uh, I didn't get, honestly, the first minute. Uh, I'll warn you right now, I'll probably be pausing quite often uh, during that first minute because it's just rapid fire succession of, of bad arguments, honestly, very bad arguments. And I wanna go through it, explain to you, not just why it's a bad argument from a pro-life position, but if you're a pro-choice person, right? If you're in favor of abortion, you need to be aware of the bad arguments that are that are out there i don't I honestly that's why i said at the beginning it's not so much about the content here it's about the process that we go through we need to be able to critically analyze uh these things because that is what liberty requires liberty requires that we analyze and understand why we hold the positions we hold we can't just uh spout off with uh, with an idea with a, with a thought without any basis. I mean, if you've read my book, you know that the, that the concept of liberty is heavily uh, based in the principle of natural law. And natural law, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, 
the originator of this, reason, logic, is, is essential to understanding the, the natural law argument and understanding what liberty is and what liberty means. So um, I, uh, I'm going to go ahead and start this, uh, this clip and we'll, we'll see how long I, it takes for me to pause. So let's start here. But let's get back to this abortion. Now, is a fetus a human being? This seems to be the central question. Well, if a fetus is a human being, how come the census doesn't count them? All right, so we're going to pause right there because, uh, you know, <laughs> we're 12 seconds in, folks. He does this uh, at the beginning here. This is why the first minute takes uh, so much so much time to go through because the first minute uh, he does this kind of rapid fire throwing out a bunch of a bunch of uh, 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 arguments right you know one after the other um, his argument here is why aren't they counted on the census well you know he does this multiple times and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let you know throughout this whole routine he repeatedly avoids the ethical question at the heart, right? And just points out these these things that he think are that he thinks are inconsistencies uh, in the uh, in the pro-life position. And uh, and so his arguments really aren't based on any kind of, you know, deep analysis or or ethical argument. It's just based on, you know, uh, here's a weird thing. Why? You know, uh, it's not really an argument, though. It's not really an ethical argument. It's, you know, w when in the history of the world has the value of human life been determined by the census? Uh, the census is, is a tool that we use, but it is certainly isn't, uh, certainly isn't uh, uh, the, the defining factor in whether or not a human being has value. If somebody is, if somebody is missed on the census, if you know they they uh, they move in the middle of the year and they don't get counted in that year's census, does that mean that their their life has no value? Uh, whether or not a person is counted on the census is is not an ethical argument. That's not a rational argument. Um, but it does point out how uh, how infants are really treated. Uh, as three-fifths of a person. Now, if you're familiar with the Constitution, you're familiar with the, the phrase three-fifths. Uh, it was that uh, s slaves were considered three-fifths of a person for, for census purposes. Um, and uh, uh, that's kind of how, how infants are, are treated. And I make this, I, I, I'm not quite sure if they included it in the, uh, in the final version of the, uh, of the interview I did with the Smiths uh, for uh, domestic debates. <clears throat> but... Um, I had a I had a law school professor who who said uh, that he he felt that uh, abortion was the slavery issue of our day because we do treat infants as less than human as not quite but but sometimes they're human and sometimes we'll consider them but other times we won't um, so I I thought it was interesting uh, an interesting comment by a law professor and it's always stuck with me ever since then okay so moving on here. Um, we uh, we've already we've already hammered on this on this first point. Let's continue. If a fetus is a human being, how come when there's a miscarriage they don't have a funeral? So this <laughs> this is clearly a comment that is made uh, made by a person 
who has absolutely no experience with miscarriage, has no experience uh, with with the uh, the after effects. As someone who uh, my my wife and I went through, uh, have gone through multiple miscarriages in the course of trying to bring our children into this world. Um, I can assure you that we have mourned each loss. So the argument that we don't have a funeral for a miscarriage uh, denies the very real sense of loss. And, and there are many people who have miscarriages who do have funerals. Uh, people who are close to me have had stillbirths. They, they did have a funeral. The, the individuals I know who had stillbirths did have a, a funeral for their child. This denies the very real human uh, uh, effect that being pregnant has the the emotional effect it, it, it and it tries to to write it off as as a punchline often you don't have a funeral because there's no body you know miscarriages often happen early enough in the pregnancy that there's no body to bury um and i can assure you that with with several of our of our miscarriages uh we would we would likely have have wanted to have had a funeral if it had been possible some do and even if you don't that doesn't mean it's not a life worthy of protecting social norms social norms don't dictate when a life has value doesn't dictate whether or not it is a life um uh but but let's let's extend this this rationale a little bit because as i said infants are treated as three-fifths of a person because when a pregnant woman is murdered, often it is charged as a double homicide. So we do sometimes consider a preborn infant as a life. So when the inconsistencies in society work in favor of abortion, he's quick to point them out. But when the inconsistencies in society work against the argument for abortion, he's silent. He doesn't say anything. This is typical. It, it, it's just a sign. It's just a sign of someone who is not being uh, uh, logically consistent, and that is that is that's a major problem um, in uh, in our society. And I, again, it's not about the content here. It's about the process that we go through. You 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 can't uh, come to rational conclusions on a on a question if you evade the hard uh, ethical ramifications of what you're saying and if you simply sidestep issues that don't go in favor of what you've already concluded is the right answer. Unfortunately, so many times, the people who are pro-choice have simply already made up their mind that no matter what the argument is, they are going to argue in favor of abortion. No matter what the ethical ramifications are, no matter what the arguments are, the conclusion is what's mattered, not the process. It is what matters, not the process. And, and that's not how liberty works. That's not how natural law works. You don't pick the conclusion first and then work backwards to justify it. You can't do that. That's not rational. And that's exactly what uh, Mr. Carlin has done. Let's go to the next one here. If a fetus is a human being, how come people say we have two children and one on the way instead of saying we have three children? Okay. Why do people say that? Well, that one, that one is an interesting one because 
a little bit of probing, a little bit of ana analysis will clarify the inconsistency. We have two children and one on the way. Well, one what on the way? He, he tries to pretend that by saying this, we are acknowledging that the infant is not a child, that the infant is not a human being worthy of protection. But simple analysis, simple uh, linguistic analysis of, of what is said belies that. Uh, it is one child on the way. We have two children and one child on the way. That's how our language works, right? It's, it, it's, it's disturbing that, that people don't see this obvious uh, flaw in the argument. That's not an argument for abortion. The, the fact that, that, that they say, and... I mean, we don't have to get to, we don't even have to get to one on the way. Just the word and, and indicates that there is more to be considered. There is more to, there are more children to be considered. Even if you said we have two children and we're pregnant and indicates that you do acknowledge because the question was how many children do you have? You know, if that's the question and you say we have two children and we're pregnant, that suggests that there is an and. There is more than just two children. But the pro-abortion crowd doesn't want to acknowledge that there is an and at all. They want to pretend that there is no and. Um, it's, it's like saying, well, we have you know, two girls and a boy. Well, well why'd, you, why'd you separate the boy out from the girls? Is the, is the boy not a, you know, a valid human being because you've put it after the and? Of course not. And is a conjunction. It indicates that there are two categories of children, and they are both children, but there is a distinction that we're making between the types of children that you have. Boy, girl. Born, unborn. They're both children. Acting like it doesn't exist just because you can't see it or touch it is uh, it, it comes from a place of gross, gross ignorance and, uh, and, and a severe inability to think logically. Okay, um, I believe this next part uh, goes for a little bit, so let's, let's listen here. People say life begins at conception. I say life began about a billion years ago, and it's a continuous process. <laughs> continuous, just keeps rolling along. Rolling, rolling, rolling along. I said, you know something? Okay, so... Some say some people say that life begins at conception. I say that it, that it started billions of years ago. Okay, and and <laughs> here we are. Uh, the the this fetus is alive. It's a life. No matter how you look at it, at conception, at conception, it is a life, and aborting it ends a life. There's no, there's no, I mean, biologically speaking, there's no debate here. It is a life. If you're going to acknowledge that, that life began a billion years ago, you're talking about one-celled organisms. If you're going to acknowledge a one-celled organism, we, you know, we, we searched the galaxy looking for a one-celled organism on Mars, a or one-celled organism on Titan, or, you know, one of the other, you know, celestial bodies in our solar system. If we found any indication of any kind of life anywhere else, we would call it a life. 
we would we would work to even protect that life. We would if we were to colonize Mars, we would be very careful not to disturb the natural life that might exist there. <laughs> if we're going to protect a, a one-celled organism on Mars, then why would we not protect a a million-celled organism here on Earth, which an infant is after just a few weeks. But but even beyond that, people are prosecuted and go to jail for destroying a bald eagle's egg. Why? Do they do they acknowledge that egg as a bald eagle? So why does the egg matter? The egg matters is because if you destroy the egg, the species dies out. That acknowledges that the egg is the species. It is part of the species. So how is a fetus not part of the human race? And then we're gonna we're gonna start bifurcating from there and, and splitting it down as to which humans are worthy of protection and which humans aren't. That sounds Orwellian to me. To start trying to play God and pretend that we can we can say this human being is worthy of protection and this human being isn't. We do, we do recognize that the, the bald eagle egg example proves that we do acknowledge preborn life as life worthy of protection. We acknowledge that, just not when it comes to humans. How bizarre, how upside down is it that we are willing to, to treat a different species, unborn children, more valuable than we treat our own species, unborn children? Again, think of the logic here. Just, just work through the, the rationale here. Uh, it doesn't make sense. There is no reason. There is no logic here. Um, okay. This next one, I'm going to warn you, is a bit bizarre. It's hard to follow. If you can't follow it, you're in good company. Don't worry about it. We just got it. Listen, you can go back further than that. What about the carbon atoms? Huh? <laughs> Human life could not exist without carbon. What's so is point? it just possible that maybe we shouldn't be burning all this coal? <laughs> just looking for a little consistency here in these anti-abortion arguments. Okay, so there, there's, there's a reason. Okay, his, his, his coal argument, his carbon argument is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh, and we'll get more into that a little bit later because he brings up another argument that's kind of related, but we'll get into that in a minute. Um, but he uses this phrase, I'm just looking for a little bit of a consistency, just a little bit of consistency in these anti-abortion arguments. Really? No, I don't think it is. I don't think you are. You're not looking for, you're not looking for consistency because you're not, certainly not looking for any consistency in your argument. You know, it, I'm, I'm looking for consistency. I'm wanting a rational argument. I'm wanting a rational discussion. Mr. Carlin, you are not looking for consistency. You are looking to prove your point and evade all other suggestions to the contrary. Um, as I said at the beginning, Mr. Carlin, you know, maybe he's funny, maybe he's not, you know, that's personal taste. When people raise him up, to be this wise guru, this wise oracle of wisdom. Uh, it's just, I'll tell you, a few years ago, I watched, I watched one of his later 
um, one of his later routines. And uh, I remember watching, I'm like, oh, you know, I've, I've laughed at him a couple times. I'll, I'll watch his thing. And for the entire time, I can't remember if it was an hour, hour and a half, whatever it was, for the entire time, I don't, I don't recall him telling a single joke. It was two hours of him just ranting, ranting about this and that and about how he, you know, hates this Republican and that Republican. And, you know, it, 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 it wasn't, or, you know, how he hates religion or this or that or the other. And it, there was no jokes. I mean, whatever humor he had earlier in his career, by the end of his life, he lost his humor. It was just ranting. Uh, his his tirades where he's just like, eh, the human race is screwed, and it's, you know we're we're just need to die out, and it's just such such misanthropy that it was just it wasn't funny. I mean, you can you can be you can be misanthropic and 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 be funny. He wasn't, uh, you know, dark humor, you know, dark humor at the expense of all of humanity. I get it, you know, it can be funny. He wasn't. Um, so, yeah, it's just, uh, he's he's had better days. Um, and, uh, you know, it's 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 sad that he's, he's passed on. Um, but anyway, folks, we are, we are at 58 seconds. <laughs> we are at 58 seconds with this clip and it goes for eight minutes. I, I won't, I don't think we're going to be able to go, I, this, our, this episode is already, you know, close to a half hour long, and it, we're not going to get through the entire thing, but there are a few more, more things that I would like to point out. Okay, so this next portion, he he makes some some crass jokes, they don't really have any relevance to anything, uh, it talks about uh, life beginning at, at uh, fertilization, but uh, it's it's a crass joke, I'm just going to go ahead and skip it. It has no bearing on on the the totality of the arguments we're going to be discussing. But even after the egg is fertilized, it's still six or seven days before it reaches the uterus and pregnancy begins. And not every egg makes it that far. 80% of a woman's fertilized eggs are rinsed and flushed out of her body once a month during those delightful few days she has. They wind up on sanitary napkins, and yet they are fertilized eggs. So basically, what these anti-abortion people are telling us is that any woman who's had more than one period is a serial killer. <laughs> any woman who's had more than one, one period is a serial killer. Really? He thinks that's what we're arguing? He thinks that that's a rational argument? Let's take a look. So... For one, again, this is simply avoiding the ethical question at hand. More evasion. Um, <laughs> but uh, no pro-life person argues that. Because there's a huge difference between a pregnancy ending from natural causes and one ending from the intentional, deliberate act of others. Right? I mean, that's why a doctor isn't considered a serial killer when his patients die of natural causes. Natural causes aren't considered murder. So his his argument doesn't hold any water. Doesn't hold any water whatsoever. Uh, it's it's just it's just idiotic. It's just idiotic. And and we'll get into a little bit more about that with his next comment 
Again, I apologize. This is George Carlin, and so he's got some more crass stuff coming up. I can't avoid this one simply because the argument is uh, crucial to what we're uh, to what we're arguing here. Consistency, consistency. Hey, hey. If they really want to get serious, what about all the sperm that are wasted when the state executes a condemned man and one of these pro-life guys who's watching in his pants, huh? Here's a guy standing over there with his jockey shorts full of little Vinnies and Debbies, and nobody's saying a word to that guy. Not every ejaculation deserves a name. Okay, so, so there's a couple things in there. First, this isn't the first guy to, to make the sperm analogy for uh, for abortion. The menstruation is the most analogous thing to ejaculation. There's that's the 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 analogy, not not pregnancy. You know, when when a woman has has menstruation, there's no life or the life ends, you know, naturally. Uh, when a when a man ejaculates, there's no life. We're not talking about that. That that's, that that evades and ignores the fertilization aspect. He just argued that we, that we, we say that life begins at fertilization, uh, but uh, then he ignores it. He ignores the fact that fertilization is a key event in this process. Again, where's the logic? Where's the logic here? Uh, now he does bring up an interesting point, which I'm going to touch on briefly. Um, and that is, uh, that is the, the, the death penalty. He, he kind of brings in the death penalty. It's kind of a little, little bit of an aside that, that somehow these pro-life people are very excited or very happy when a, when a person is killed, uh, through the death penalty. And I, and I, and he's kind of suggesting that that indicates, ah, see, they're really not pro-life. Well, first, first, let me point out that, that, uh, ending a life as punishment for crimes, serious, uh, heinous crimes, and in a life for that reason is vastly different than ending a life that has committed no crime. Uh, that is, that is a huge world of difference between a criminal being put to death and an infant being put to death. And if you can't see the difference there, I'm not sure what what kind of discussion we can have. Uh, it is clearly, it is, it is undeniably, uh, uh, different. Uh, so, so, so the two things don't really have anything to do with each other. They're completely different events. Um, but there are pro-life people, myself included, who also oppose the death penalty. So, so to, 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 to argue that this is a reason to to support abortion that you know that there's this there's this inconsistency uh, it, it just it, it's a smokescreen it is a smokescreen to evade the tough ethical question because the tough ethical question the the, the deep analysis the moral and ethical analysis that needs to be done leads to a conclusion that is simply different than the one that they want to come to. They want to come to a pro-abortion conclusion. And so any argument, any ethical considerations that would lead to that are ignored, are pushed aside. It is, it is a, 
It is a sign of dishonest rhetoric. It is a sign of uh, 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 lack of of rational thought to to make these arguments. And again, they may be funny on, on from a comical level, but when someone presents this to me as an actual argument that we should be you know actually debating as valid reasons to support abortion, I'm gonna do the analysis. You know, I, I wish. He's not my kind of human. He's not my kind of comedian, you know. Uh, but I wish I could sit back and enjoy somebody's comedy without having to do this kind of analysis. That'd be great. <clears throat> Unfortunately, you know, comedy. We, we can get into the, the the sorry state of comedy some other time. But let's just say that when your ideological conclusions uh, bleed into your comedy, you're no longer a comedian. Um, even if some of the stuff you say is funny, you're no longer a comedian. Uh, I'm sorry, I keep on messing with my ears, my uh, my earbuds. Uh, this one keeps on wanting to fall out. Um, so, so that's the death penalty. Now he he ends there. The last thing he says there is uh, not every ejaculation deserves a name. The pro-life crowd don't think that every egg deserves a name. We're not sitting. We're not out there campaigning for every egg to be protected and saved. We're not asking for every sperm to be protected and saved. When the two meet and create life, the life is worthy of being saved. That's the argument. Not these, not these ridiculous, you know, menstruation arguments and sperm arguments and carbon atom arguments. Those, those are, they have nothing to do with what we're saying. When life exists, you protect it, especially human life. Uh, his, the, these, these, these jokes lack any merit, either as logical arguments or as jokes. These aren't funny. Now, this next one uh, that he comes up with isn't really worth it. I think I'm going to skip. Oh, I'm, I'm going to let you listen to it. I'm not going to say much about it. It's <laughs> not the one about it. Now. Speaking of consistency, Catholics, which I was until I reached the age of reason. Uh, I, I will pause right there. We're going to come back to that one. Just a minute. <laughs> Catholics and other Christians are against abortions and they're against homosexuals. Well, who has less abortions than homosexuals? <laughs> Again, there's there's no merit to that argument. That's not even an argument. I'm not even sure what he's saying there. So, like I say, we're gonna skip it and uh, and and go to the next thing. He he makes a comment here um, that I wanted. I just want to. Again, it's not really related. But as long as we're talking about analyzing poor reasoning, poor you know, it's not it's not really related to the abortion argument. His next comment, uh, but. As long as we're talking about poor reasoning, I felt that it was it was worth spending a little bit of time on. So listen. Go look for consistency in religion. And speaking of my friends, the Catholics. Okay, that's where I wanted to pause. What he just says. Speaking of my friends, the Catholics. <laughs> okay, uh, this is this is something that I've that I've seen, and it's not just in in this discussion. Uh, and uh, it, it's something that I just, 
I gotta point out. How disingenuine is it to have someone in one moment suggest that Catholicism or religion in general is without reason? You know, he says, "I was, uh, I was, I was one until I reached the age of reason," uh, and then he and then he follows it up with, where, uh, then he follows it up with, "Go look for consistency in religion," as if religion has no consistency. Uh, they're they're derisive. They're uh, contemptuous statements. Uh, and anybody who's familiar with George Carlin knows that George Carlin is pretty contemptuous of religion as a whole. So how disingenuous is it for him to then follow up those kind of statements by saying, my friends, the Catholics? Really? I, I kind of doubt that he had many really Catholic friends, really religious friends. Kind of seems like the kind of guy who who surrounds himself with people who are like-minded. Why else would he make some of the, the tone-deaf, uh, disconnected statements that he makes? His illogical statements indicate that he doesn't have a whole lot of contact with people who hold views that are different than his. So my guess is George Carlin didn't have a whole lot of Catholic friends, and he, doesn't, he didn't have a whole lot of religious friends. That's just my guess, but I'm, it's a guess that I'm thinking is probably pretty accurate. You can't say derisive, dismissive, caustic, nasty things about a group of people and then say, oh, you're so much, you're my friends. Please, please. It is, it is, it is not behavior that I would find acceptable in any of my friends. And I would call it out for the bigotry that it is. And so, excuse me if I don't buy Mr. Carlin's argument that he has these Catholic friends that he is reaching out to. It's a bunch of baloney. Um, his next argument, we finally get back to uh, the topic at hand. When John Cardinal O'Connor of New York and some of these other cardinals and bishops have experienced their first pregnancies and their first labor pains and they've raised a couple of children on a minimum wage, then I'll be glad to hear what they have to say about abortion. I'm sure it'll be interesting. Okay. <laughs> so this is... This is kind of the original version. There, there's a modern version of this argument. It is the argument, uh, my body, my choice. No uterus, no opinion. Um, it's the argument that if you don't have uh, a uterus, if you're not a woman, if you haven't born children, you have no business giving your opinion on the topic of abortion. Well... That is seriously flawed for a number of reasons. It is one of the worst arguments that the uh, anti-life, right? The anti-life crowd comes up with. Uh, it, is, it is completely uh, and totally illogical and without merit. So, first, to the modern version of this, the my body, my choice, no uterus, no opinion, to, to, to that argument, uh, if it were just the woman's body, I, I don't think anybody would have an, anything to say about it. If it was just the woman's body in question, if it was just your uterus in question, no one would have anything to say about it. You wouldn't have any, this, this argument wouldn't be taking place. It is the fact that there is more than just your body and your uterus in question. It is the body of the infant. There is another body there. And 
the the these arguments, these slogans that they come up with, completely ignore the very thing that we are trying to argue. This is why we can't have a rational discussion on uh, abortion because the pro-abortion crowd only ever argues the things that have no relevance to the things that the pro-life crowd argues. They, they, they argue these things that have no merit whatsoever. Um, but I find interesting that uh, even though Mr. Carlin probably doesn't have a uterus, he still feels free to give his opinion on abortion. See, that's the inconsistency. Uh, talk about finding consistency. Let's find consistency in Mr. Carlin's statements. He has no uterus, yet he feels it's okay for him to give his opinion. You know, if you're going to say, my body, my choice, no uterus, no opinion, if you're going to say that, then men shouldn't even be supporting abortion. They shouldn't be able to support abortion. They should have no say whatsoever. Now, of course, that's, uh, that, that itself is also flawed. It's a flawed argument from beginning to end because, again, the argument isn't about the woman's body. The argument is about the infant's body. The pro-life argument is about the life of the infant. So Mr. Carlin hasn't, hasn't, had, any, hasn't had any of these experiences. He hasn't had uh, labor pains. He hasn't raised children, yet he gives his opinion. And so it's not, it's not the authority of the one speaking that they want to shut down. It is the content of what they're saying. Because if you'll recall recent events, we have a new Supreme Court Justice, Amy Coney Barrett, who was widely criticized for being pro-life for being against abortion. She has a uterus. Why isn't her opinion taken into consideration and respected? Why isn't that respected? If you're going to make the argument that only women can have this argument, then, then why aren't you? Then why aren't you listening to the women who say that they don't like and don't want abortion to be legal? You're not listening. You only listen to the people who agree with you. That's, there we go back to the same issue. The pro-abortion crowd has come to the conclusion first, and so arguments are irrelevant. Are, there is no point in arguing the, 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 the reason, the, the ethics, the morality of abortion because the conclusion has already come been come to. They've already drawn their conclusion. There is no argument. There is no debate. Amy Coney Barrett meets all the qualifications that Carlin uh, proposes. She's raised children. She's had children. And yet, her opinion is cast off because it's not the right opinion. They want to listen to the opinion of women as long as the opinion of women agrees with them. There are even people who have survived abortions. People who for one reason or another, an abortion was attempted and they survived. And those people have come out and said that they don't want abortion to be legal. These are the victims of abortion. We'll listen to the victims of rape, but we won't listen to the victims of abortion. Now, these are those who have survived. These are those who have survived. What about the millions and millions who haven't? 
It is, it is disingenuous, it is inconsistent, it is illogical to argue that, uh, that because of the things that he's presented here in these three minutes, three minutes and, what is this? Three minutes and 20 seconds. Three minutes and 20 seconds. That any of these arguments have any merit. You can't, you can't maintain that. You cannot maintain that logically any of these arguments hold any water. I hope you enjoyed that analysis. It's critical that we are able to an analyze these uh, important uh, figures, analyze their arguments, the people who are influencers and, and try to sway people's opinions. They clearly swayed this individual who posed it to me. We need to be able to argue against things that are illogical. Even if you're a pro-choice person, I hope that you're able to look at the arguments that Mr. Carlin presented and see the flaws. I hope you're able to understand why it's not a good argument. And if you want to make better arguments, then make better arguments. I'm not saying that there's no argument for, for abortion. I'm not saying that there isn't. I'm not saying there is. I wouldn't be the one to make it. But you can make it. Make the argument for abortion, but do it logically. Don't ignore the, the actual argument of the pro-life crowd. Don't, don't simply set up a straw man for you to knock down. Make an actual argument. Make an argument. Make it consistent. Make it logical. And then we can have a discussion. Then we can have a discussion. We can't have a discussion if we don't have some basis upon which that discussion will be founded. If we can't make these arguments with reason, and if we can't engage in public debate about important topics, regardless of whether or what our gender is and regardless of whether we have a uterus, if we can't engage in public debate, we will, as my discussion with Professor Friend Paul pointed out, we will destroy our civilization. We will become extinct. I hope we can prevent that. Anyway, as always, go grab your copy of The Liberty Driven Revolution. Go to libertydriven.com uh, and uh, pick up your copy. And again, please go over to the YouTube page like, subscribe, hit that bell notification, uh, comment, leave me your comments. I'm excited to hear from you guys. And, uh, and as always also, uh, head over to Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Liberty Driven Books and, uh, like us on Facebook. If you want to listen to the audio anchor.fm forward slash Liberty Driven, uh, where you can get the audio for these episodes. Anyway, Thanks, guys, for listening. I'm looking forward to uh, having more discussions with you down the road and uh, looking forward to uh, next week.